This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straub. It is Monday, September 27th, and today we are going to look at some of our favorite late round targets for late September when the question becomes who to take in the latter rounds of your fantasy draft. Hopefully, this will provide some answers. At least one rookie, a couple of intriguing second-year players, and more, plus some news on Zion Williamson coming up in just a second. As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube, I'm joined by Ryan Knaus and making his round ball stew debut, Aaron Robinson. Aaron, I believe you're relatively new to the NBC Sports Edge basketball squad. And first and most importantly, where are you from and which team do you punish yourself by watching? <laughs> punish is definitely a great description. And when I tell you where I'm from, you're going to understand why it's a punishment. But uh, I'm from right outside Washington, D.C., the, the Montgomery County area, Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, so naturally, I'm, I'm a D.C. sports fan, which means I root for the Wizards. So, you know... But we're saying that, you know, we've definitely been through our fair share of trauma the last, I don't even know, since I've been watching the Wizards. <laughs> we've, right. we've, had, we've had a few down years, man. But, you know, the the, the Gilbert Arenas era was, was a fun time in, in, in Wizards. In Wizards, in Wizards of Lore, you know, the, the Hibachi era. Then we had the For John sure. Wall era. But, you know, now we're in the Brad Beal and Spencer Dinwiddie era, which is a little bit exciting. So I'm excited for the Wizards this year, man, you know. I'm so happy that you – I was I was honestly terrified that you were going to be like, oh, I'm a Lakers fan. I was going to be like, ah. But but now, okay, we all know – we all know similar pain. We all – we I'm a, I'm a Hawks fan. We, we, we've all felt some pain, so we can identify there when it comes to hoops. When the Wizards eventually emerge as a perennial playoff threat, you know, it, all those years of suffering, it'll make it that much sweeter. Oh, the, the Nationals and the Capitals have, have made my life worth living the past five or so years. <laughs> the National World go. Series and the Capitals Stanley Cup was literally the best sports moments of my life. So I, I definitely, going watching nice. those guys, I had to endure a bunch of pain as well. So when those guys finally won, it definitely made it all worth it. So hoping that for the Wizards in the next couple of years. <laughs> Nice. Well, we, and by that, I mean, I have a slightly unhealthy <laughs> obsession with Daniel Gafford around here as a fantasy uh, consideration. So I'm sure this this will not be the first or last time <laughs> that name is said. But uh, first things first, it's media day. And as of Monday midday, we have some pretty significant news on Zion Williamson. Team President David Griffin revealed that Zion had right foot surgery early in the offseason. They are hoping that he will be ready by the start of the regular season. But Ryan, uh, upon reading this news, my initial reaction is this is kind of terrifying. Kind of terrifying. Yeah, you're you're underselling it slightly, maybe. Uh, same leg as the knee surgery that he needed for what that's worth. Yeah, this is bad. I mean, first of all, credit, I guess, to the Pelicans organization for somehow keeping this under wraps. I don't know how that happened, but apparently Zion broke his foot before Summer League is what executive VP David Griffin told the media on Media Day. So this was a while ago. The good news is he said that the Pelicans are hopeful that he should be back in time for the regular season. Uh, Shams Charania filled in the blank there and said the start of the regular season. But again, that's just kind of optimism based on the initial timetable. It remains to be seen. We're talking about a 285-pound man whose leaping ability is one of his greatest assets. A fracture is 
is <laughs> I I stumble for adjectives, ways to describe it. So uh, I'll I'll pass off to you guys. But in general, I mean, obviously you have to bump him down multiple rounds just right off the bat. I'm still kind of reckoning with the fantasy fallout how far down we put him. I just bumped him down in my rankings by 15 projected games played. I already had him relatively low, but if you bump him down 15 more, he drops 40 spots. So. Uh, we'll be thinking long and hard about where this puts him in the draft boards, but definitely a couple round hit, you'd think. Aaron, any adjectives from you when it comes to the Zion situation that you want to throw into the mix? Man, this is an adjective, but that, that New Orleans gumbo, man, that New Orleans gumbo and jambalaya <laughs> is getting the breath of my guy Zion, man. They didn't get my, they didn't get my man on a, on a weight loss program quick and fast, man, because when you're that big, you jump that high and you land that hard, it's never good for the joints, man. But, I mean, just quick, I guess, thoughts is uh, – Najee Marshall, I think, could, could mm. be in for, you know, some more playing time in, in, in a bigger year. Obviously, he surprised some folks last season in New Orleans. So, DMV guy as well from, from, from down here. He's from PG County, actually. But uh, I think he I think he could be, you know, the biggest beneficiary from this, you know, kind of um, if Zion were to miss some games early on in the year. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're here today to talk about late-round intrigue, late-round, not sleepers, but late-round favorite draft targets, another one of those. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who we're not going to talk about today, could be another guy who benefits uh, from more usage, et cetera, if Zion does miss time. I guess at this point it's an if, but I would assume he's probably going to at the start of the season based on hoping he'll be ready. It doesn't, as you said, Ryan, sounds like just optimism. Yeah, and if nothing else, you'd think that when he comes back, they're probably going to have him on a minutes restriction, yeah. at least initially. There's probably going to be some planned rest days in there. So even if he's back for opening night, it adds to that that risk factor significantly. I'm glad you mentioned Najee Marshall. That's a good setup for our sleepers topic. <laughs> yes, yes. And so let me just get into this by saying we're not going to be talking about a few of my slash our favorite late round guys on this episode because... And I mean by that, guys like Mo Bamba, Daniel Gafford, and DeAndre Hunter, because we talked about all three of those guys in some detail on our Friday episode when we previewed the Southeast Division. So we're not going to be redundant there. Go back and check that out if you missed it. Today we're going to be talking about some different names. Uh, We'll start out with my handful of guys. The first name I've got here is someone I've been consistently seeing just sitting there late in my drafts, and that's Timberwolves shooting guard Malik Beasley. Uh, This is a guy who, when he was on the court last year, averaged almost 20 points per game nearly four and a half boards, two and a half assists, three and a half threes last season. Now he did miss a bunch of games due to injury and suspension, and he only got 0.8 steals. But aside from that, I really don't know what's going on here with no one wanting to draft Beasley. Uh, To me, it's basically a lot of points and threes for free at the end of your draft. And we do often say around here, points and threes guys kind of grow on trees these days, but we're not talking about 20 points per game and three and a half threes usually just sitting there. Aaron, any thoughts here? Like, can, can you can you account for this? Like, why why is Malik Beasley just there? Yeah, that that's surprising. When when you said that he was, you know, there in a bunch of your drafts at the end, that that's definitely you know surprising. When you talk about a guy that averaged twenty a game, you know, like you said. I mean, I, I, my my guess would just be the off the court stuff that's probably scaring some people away. But I mean, as long as he's going to be available for games, I don't, I don't really see why. Um, maybe people are worried about this Ben Simmons rumors with Ben coming to Minnesota potentially. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't you know know if that's giving guys some pause, but. I mean, I love Malik Beasley. I think he's going to have a huge year this year. Him, you know, alongside with Anthony Edwards on the wing, um, and Angela Russell. I mean, those guys are going to all score a ton of points. Um, so, I mean, I, I think I definitely love the Malik Beasley pick there. I'm I'm confused as to why he's on the board in so many drafts late, late, in, late in those rounds. 
I can only speak for myself as to why I would leave him on the board for for Matt or Aaron to to scoop up. I think you know last season you look he played over 32 minutes per game. I just don't see that happening this year. I'm projecting him around 28 maybe, which is fine, but you know obviously gonna put a dent in his stats. Also, you look at what he did last year. That was with Cat banged up and kind of in and out most of the year. Uh, D'Angelo Russell missed a significant chunk of the season when he came back. He was in a sixth man role. His minutes were limited, so that bumped Beasley into an even bigger role. Plus, you're talking about a new coach. First, we had Ryan Saunders, who seemed happy to let him run and gun and fire away. Now, Chris Finch sounds a little bit more hesitant. There's a fantastic interview uh, in The Athletic with Britt Robson, I believe. I hope I got that right, uh, is the interviewer. It's very candid. And Chris Finch just kind of lays out there his expectations for guys and stuff. And when asked about Beasley's defense, the it wasn't really a question. He said, I'm sure you're aware of Beasley's defense. He takes terrible angles. And Finch's response was, yeah, I'm aware of that, essentially. So he knows that Beasley is a defensive liability. And he said, at the end of games, guys are usually a little more locked in defensively, which leads me to believe he's not inclined to play Beasley down the stretch of games. So point being, increased competition, decreased minutes, potentially not closing under a new coach. That would be my answer as to why I'm off Beasley. Those are all fair points. I mean, just just to be clear, his ADP is 132.7 on Yahoo. So this is, you know, a late investment. And I also think this is all good and well. Minnesota can say whatever they want. We can talk about it. But let's also be aware that this is the Timberwolves. Chaos can easily break out at a moment's notice. I don't know that any of us are expecting D'Angelo Russell to play 80 games this year, et cetera, et cetera. So like, I do think that there may come a point where they need someone to jack up some shots, and that guy is Malik Beasley. But but I, fair point, Ryan, that that is a good explanation for why I guess he's sitting there, but I think I'll still take him. Yeah, uh, to, to your point, and the final thought I'll say is that Finch also said to, to bolster your case, he said, yeah, for sure, look, we still have to lean into who we are, and that is an offensive team. So you want some buckets? Maybe okay. Beasley's your guy. The game has been and always will be about buckets, baby. <laughs> In the words <laughs> of my guy, Uncle Drew. <laughs> Okay. Well, along those lines, uh, next up, another fairly high-volume three-point shooter, Sadiq Bey of the Pistons, last year as a rookie, closed out the season pretty strong. His final 22 games, he was at 16 points per game, 5.7 boards, not a lot of assists, one and a half per game, but 1.0 steals, 3.23s. And if you look at their depth chart, uh, as is, I would say, the case with Beasley in Minnesota, playing time should be there for Sadiq Bey, even though they added Cade Cunningham. I mean, you're not, nothing on that depth chart gives you pause when it comes to Sadiq Bey. Aaron, this is a guy who ADP 119.5. So you have to take him earlier than Beasley, but uh, are you interested around there? No, I, I love Sadiq Bay. I mean, I think, like, like you mentioned, the, de- the depth chart in Detroit, they're extremely light on the wing. I think they're going to play Cade a lot at the point. So, I mean, you, you look at the wing, you got Hamadou Diallo. I mean, they're going to probably play Jer- Jeremy Grant a little bit um, on the wing as well. Josh Jackson's in there. But, I mean, like you said, I mean, it's going to be Sadiq Bay's minutes to lose. And I think he's going to have the opportunity on the court um, to go out there and, and, and to, I, I think he, he should be in for, you know, obviously he's all rookie guy um, last season. I think he, he could be in for a really big second year in Detroit. So I'm, I'm definitely in on, on Sadiq around that. You said 119 range. Yeah. I, I think that sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. Ditto. I'd, I'd target him happily. Healthy minutes should go up. Aaron mentioned the lack of depth on the wings there. Uh, one concern would be, I'd like to see more defensive stats. He, you know, even per 36, he wasn't getting many steals, almost no blocks. Uh, not going to get assists. You won't fault him for that. But more more defensive stats would bump him up. Still a very reasonable gamble at, after 100 for sure. 
I've got two more names on my list before we get to a few uh, late round guys that you guys have brought to the table. So next up, I have what I would describe as the wild card of wild cards. That's Alexei Pokashevsky of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, he had some pretty intriguing moments as a very raw 19-year-old rookie last year. I think, man, where did I read this? That he was seven foot, 190 pounds last year. Is that even possible? Have you guys seen that? Did I dream that? Was that it a fever dream? It may be dream? true. I mean, I, having watched the man play, nothing would surprise me. He looked like a human broomstick at times. <laughs> I am pretty sure. I am pretty sure. I read he was seven foot, one hundred ninety pounds. Go look. Let's go look that up after the fact. But okay. it may have been a fever dream, as I said. Anyways, per thirty six minutes, okay, average seven rebounds, three point two dimes, one point four blocks, and one point nine threes. That got my attention. My concern, as we all know, if we picked him up off waivers, that there was some very shaky shooting involved. 34% from the floor. He also shot terribly during his stint in the G League. Uh, Ryan, obviously we'd have to be projecting some improvement here. Do you think we can count on enough of a leap from Poku to make him worth the late round investment? Or is this a guy you're going to draft in late rounds only for him to completely destroy your percentages? This is like a, you know, like I'm a lot more in Keeper and Dynasty, obviously goes without saying. Am I willing to bank on enough improvement for him not to really hurt you in 8-cat, 9-cat, particularly Roto formats in the percentages? I am not. Uh, I mean, we saw him, what, he shot 35% or under every month of this season as a rookie until May when he shot 46%, but that was a five-game sample. So... I'm not going to buy into that. Yes, we know what he can do with the ball. He can make plays. He's got unique ball handling skills. He's a really fun player to watch. Um, but again, that that year one to year two development, I don't see his efficiency improving enough to justify me taking him. But I get it. It's a home run swing. And if he's there in round 12, uh, you know, it it's a fun play. And if he's not panning out, then you cut him or you flip him to someone else who's enthused about his upside. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you, Ryan. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really too intrigued about a guy um, shooting 28% from three, going to give me two turnovers a game, not many assists, not many, mm. you know, other, you know, uh, things to kind of balance that out. Um, and he's on a young team, so I'm not really banging on him, kind of um, nipping that in the bud. There's not a lot of veterans over there, so they're going to be, they're going to be letting him play. So I mean, they're going to let him play through his mistakes, but the mistakes are going to be there. Um, yeah. With, with, with a young OKC team, and I'm, I'm just not really, not really uh, too, too high on him. Uh, in my fancy my fancy draft so far yeah i i hear you guys i would say that i'm less uh, bullish on pokashevsky and more wanted to hear you guys opinions on him i have not been drafting him in any of my recent drafts i'm not sure i'm going to but he is going around the time that we're talking about in drafts totally there is a case to be made for the upside i think for me if i'm gonna take an oklahoma city thunder player who potentially has horrible percentages i might take josh giddy instead uh, mm. And just as like a late round assist, just total dart throw. Have any of you guys thought about that one quickly? You know, I love Giddy. I mean, I think I love his game. He's a big guard, can pass the ball. I mean, people say he's probably going to be the best passer in the draft. And like I said, the OKC, I mean, with, with, with Shea Gilgis kind of being, being the primary scorer there, he'll probably have an opportunity to rack up, rack up the assist, you know, playing in the backcourt with, with Shea. So, um, you know, I, I think that definitely will make some sense later, later in the draft. I'm with you. Just more counting stats to offset that percentage so um, i like that pick. i kind of cheated i thought that was just a bonus name my last one is one that we've mentioned i think a number of times in recent weeks jalen suggs of the magic in three games in summer league the number five overall pick put up 15.3 points 6.3 rebounds a couple of dimes and 1.7 steals this magic situation is like a riddle that i'm having a little bit of trouble decoding uh but i do feel like suggs is going to get his chances as the recent 
huge draft investment for Orlando. I feel like that is one we can probably be clear on. I think he's got a fantasy-friendly game, as Ryan said on Friday. He looks like he's ready to go, Aaron. Uh, are you on board with the Suggs idea? So the thing about Suggs, and I, I got to watch him a ton last year at Gonzaga, is that he's really good at a lot of things, but he's not necessarily great at at anything, honestly. I mean, he, he's, he's an okay three-point shooter. He's really streaky. So he'll have games where he probably knocks down four, five, six, three. Then he'll have games where he goes two for 10, you know, two for 11 as mm-hmm. well. And also, I think with, with the abundance of guards they kind of have there in 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 Orlando with Markel kind of coming back whenever he's going to come back and then Cole Anthony as well. I mean, I think they're going to have some guys that are going to be sharing time with him. And then off the ball, you know, I don't really know how much impact he's going to be as a, a catch and shoot guy. So I, I, I have some pause there. I mean, I think, I think he's kind of a, a, a boomer bust type situation where it's, it's going to be like, he'll have some game where he'll, 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 he'll look really good. And have some game where he'll, will struggle a little bit, especially with the efficiency. Cause you know, that, that was kind of his, his deal last year at Gonzaga where he had games like versus Iowa, where he's going like seven for nine, seven for 10 for three. And then he had games in the tournament where he's going like two for eight, you know, and, and, and there's not much there to, to, to enjoy. So I think, I think he'll be kind of a hit or miss guy this year uh, in fantasy. But that's good. See, I wanted to hear that. Aaron Aaron has those insights. I wasn't sure about Suggs off-ball, and to me that's going to be a big part of where he gets his minutes and his value this year, uh, especially when Fultz comes back, which is the big kind of question mark hanging over this. I'm not scared off by Michael Carter-Williams. I mean, I think uh, Gary Harris is probably going to fall out of the rotation at some point and or be traded or something. Uh, Terrence Ross' role is being minimized over the years as his team goes younger. RJ Hampton is confident that after he grew to 6'6", he can play small forward. So my point is there are minutes available at the two spot, but, you know, if Suggs doesn't, isn't thriving in that off-ball spot or he's, you know, deeply inefficient as a three-point shooter, etc., uh, you know, it could be struggle in a hurry to to reach fantasy value. I'll still take him as a late round flyer pick. I think, um, you know, all things being equal, I think he is ready to hit the ground running still and produce some stats. Hopefully he's not that inefficient. I will say on Suggs of all the guys we're going to talk about today in any detail, he's the one who's been going earliest in Yahoo draft so far around 110. So there's not some wild discount here. People are, are know who Suggs is and they're taking him just outside the top 100. So I guess that's another point against drafting. I think perhaps. I mean, he's he's a, he's a great player. Like like I said, he he's a great passer. He plays hard. He's gonna he's gonna get you some, some points here and there. But I think he's just like I said, he's just he's just, he can be inconsistent at times. I think that's gonna be his biggest thing. Trying trying to find his niche in the NBA and be consistent and kind of be a day in day out guy. I think once he figures that out, then I think he could be a, definitely it could be a, a great value in fantasy. All right, we've that's four names off our list. We've got. Five or six left to hit, six more on this list of 10. Ryan, why don't you set us up? You got three names. You set them up, and Aaron and I will weigh in. Sure. Uh, first one, we'll go back to the Timberwolves, and I'll say Jaden McDaniels. I know he's been a popular name. It seems like in fantasy circles, nobody's sleeping on him, which could be problematic if you're in a very competitive draft. Uh, however, the broader fantasy community doesn't seem to have caught up. His ADP on Yahoo is 133. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a player, again, I'll go back to Chris Finch. He's just saying fantastic things about uh, about McDaniels, about his upside. He said, obviously, this is a stretch goal for anybody, but he can be Scottie Pippen-esque. They want him wow. to be that that two-way player. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah I'll let, well, I'll just stop there and let you guys react to that. <laughs> 
that's Scotty took it as, <laughs> that's a stretch. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'd be Man. happy with like 12 and six and a block and a half. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this dude, he averaged 6.8.3.7 rebounds last year. I mean, not not terrible for a rookie, but we're going to Scottie Pippen. Wow, that's that is a, a coach's love in, in full bloom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jeez. take it easy, Finchie. Right, yeah, Aaron, go go ahead. Any, any, uh, Aaron, uh, Ryan, were you done with that setup? Do you want, do you have any more thing you want to add? Before yeah, we no, finish? just that I, I, I think he's a sneaky late round guy. He's probably going to pick up some defensive stats along the way. We can, he can get out and run and they want him to create offensively a little bit, but it, you know, if people are, are savvy to him and are taking him right around a hundred in the 100, 120 range, I don't think you're getting too much of a value. So suddenly cuts into my, uh, fascination with him. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think you're, you're stuck on that Scotty Pippen comp. <laughs> Derailed the comment took me out. <laughs> that, 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 that threw me for a loop for sure. Scotty Pippen, man, that's that's the first for sure. That's definitely a first. So I skepticism mean, from from Aaron's corner. Matt. Yeah, hey, skepticism will be putting it lightly <laughs> for sure. Now, now I'm like I'm bummed that that uh, Finch didn't say Malik Beasley can be like Clyde Drexler. You know what I mean? He really must not like Malik Beasley if he's not dropping you know Hall of Fame comparisons That's there. True. Right? I mean, he only averaged twenty last year. Sheesh! I mean, yeah. one guy yeah. averaged twenty. I mean, look, look, McDaniel's McDaniel's. I think he, I think you know some years down the line he'll be a great player, but I think I think he still has some seizing to do. I, I don't know if I would be that high on him this year, but maybe you know I think he would be a show me guy where if he if he if he started the season well, he'd be a guy that you can kind of pick up off waivers later in the year. But I don't know if I would if I would be that high on him, especially Scotty Pippen, man. That's wow. <laughs> That's clouding our judgment. I will say, you know, we we love guys who get steals, blocks, and threes, and I do think McDaniel's has that in his arsenal. So. I, that that to me is why he's intriguing and blocks are so hard to find, oh, yeah. especially late in your draft. So I'll certainly be on board with it. And I think probably, I think I've been seeing him go ahead of Malik Beasley, even though their Yahoo ADPs are like right next to each other. So I, I will certainly take him over Beasley, for example. I'll second that. All right, Ryan, hit us with your second player. Let's see. Who did I have queued up? Let's go with Ivica Zubats. Uh, not a standard fantasy target but this is a guy you know when centers start to run out on the board or you're looking at your team and realizing that you have glaring weaknesses or you don't want to accidentally punt rebounds and blocks uh Zubats is a guy who's usually out there you can get him late again his uh, average draft position on Yahoo is 124.4 probably a touch earlier in most competitive leagues but still you know around 100 or after and he's going to get minutes. Serge Ibaka is limited at training camp. He's coming off back surgery. He's not getting any younger. So this is, I mean, the center spot is Zubats's, uh, and then whatever small ball they want to kind of throw in there. So I don't think minutes are a problem. He's going to give you the three big man categories. Anything else is a bonus. Just a solid quality guy. Doesn't miss games. So uh, I'm, I'm into him as a cheap late round center. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I definitely, you know, I'm a Zubats guy and kind of, um, I think the big man spot is kind of it goes from really good to to really kind of bad really quick um, mm-hmm. when you when you kind of get off the the top guys with Embiid and Jokic and all those guys and then you suddenly have a huge drop off. So I mean I don't hate. It. I mean he's kind of in that same like you know Enos Cantor kind of mold where they're gonna you know give you ten and eight kind of on most nights with a, with a couple blocks and you know you go about your business and so I mean I, like you said he, the minutes are going to be there in LA so I think he'll have opportunity to get some guys some some sneaky late round value for sure 
Yeah, I was just looking at Zubats down the stretch. He was re- like he started a whole bunch of games down the stretch. I'm just looking at his numbers. Yeah, ten and eight, pretty accurate, Aaron. <laughs> right around ten and eight with the block. <laughs> there you go. And that block. And that block. I mean, is kind of the key too, right? So yeah. I I second all of these uh, all of these thoughts. And shot almost eighty percent from the free throw line for a guy who gives you boards and blocks. That's nothing to be dismissed lately. Ryan, you got one more, and then we'll transition to uh, three from Aaron. The final one I'll throw out there is Tyrese Maxey, who I know has come up before. I know uh, Raphael Johnson, our co-worker, is pretty, pretty high on him in the wake of this Ben Simmons news. And, of course, a lot depends on what the Sixers end up doing with Ben Simmons and who they get back in a trade. That could negatively impact Maxey's outlook. But as things stand, it looks like he should have a very robust role. Um, you know, minutes shouldn't be a huge problem. I know Jonas uh, highlighted Tyrese Maxey in his sleepers and value pick uh, column in the draft guide. He has a sparkling, pristine record for those picks in the in the NBC Sports Edge draft guide, uh, and he has a couple dozen names this year. So definitely go check that out. But Jaris's stamp or Jonas's stamp of approval here goes a long way for me. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm into Maxey as a again another just cheap late round guy you can pick up in round eleven. You know, I wrote about Maxi in my breakout guards column a few weeks back. I I, I love Tyrese Maxi. I mean, in the games that he got minutes, he produced. I mean, obviously there were some games where he didn't play a ton, but the minutes are going to be there this year without without Ben Simmons. And you know, they, they were he had huge showings last year in a couple games that he started. I mean, like thirty some point games with you know a bunch of threes and and super efficient. So um, I'm definitely all in on Maxi. I, I um and Philly, especially with this with this Ben Simmons stuff going on. So uh, I'm I'm with you on that one for sure, Ryan. Yeah, for a guy who barely could consistently get minutes from Doc Rivers last year, he did have a couple of huge moments. As you said, he had that 39 points, seven rebounds, yeah. six assists game. And then his last game of the season was 30 points, seven rebounds, six assists. So yeah. definitely a, a real intriguing guy who ADP 140, 140. Pretty low. In, in fairness, for those breakout games, the Sixers had like seven healthy players and nobody else on the roster but not not to throw cold water on it it was my pick so yeah you still got to be able to do it though i mean there right. there even in those exactly. circumstances there there aren't a lot of guys it's not everyone in the nba can just roll out of bed and get 39 7 and 6 even yeah. in a, exactly. a short it wasn't roster. isaiah joe scoring those those points yeah. solomon hill's Harry's not nice. getting you 39 7 and 6 for example aaron you brought three names which one do you want to lead off with yeah, I'm going to start with Reggie Jackson. Uh, right now, he's he's at um, 135.2 in, in Yahoo leagues. He's guy, you know, last year in the, during the regular season, he averaged you know 10.7 points, 3.1 assists. I mean, but when Kawhi went out in the postseason in those eight games, he brought that up to 21.8 points per game, 48.5 percent shooting from the floor, 36.9 percent shooting from three, uh, just under five assists, four rebounds, and two steals per game. So I mean, I think he's going to have. I think he's going to be the biggest beneficiary kind of this this Kawhi style. They traded for Bledsoe, but I like I like Reggie Jackson um, as kind of a guy that's going to come off the bench and score a ton of points and be super aggressive. Um, so I, I think he's going to be in for be in for a big year this season. Um, Sans Kawhi in, in in LA. I think Reggie Jackson won a lot of people over who maybe were skeptics about Reggie Jackson. I know I was one of those. Like I was, I was never the biggest Reggie Jackson guy, but watching him in the playoffs, I was impressed. And I. You know, I think the one thing about him in fantasy is like I don't think the steals. He's never been a big steals guy, but other than that, I I, I like it. I mean, as a late round point guard, uh, who's probably gonna have pretty good percentages, not a ton of turnovers, and you know, points, assists, threes. 
I, I like Reggie Jackson as a late round guy this year. I'm on board, Ryan. I do too. And you're right. I mean, after watching the Clippers extensively in the postseason, you couldn't help but be impressed by the guy. Like he, he was exceptional for long stretches. Uh, it, you mentioned the steals thing. That's something I was going to bring up. You know, even in the playoffs when he was fantastic, he averaged 17.8 points, 3.2 boards, and 3.4 dimes with under a steal. So, the upside to me isn't really there, and I do worry about his percentages backsliding a little bit from where he was, you know, during the postseason. But usage will be there, minutes will be there. I don't worry too much about Eric Blood, so I think Jackson's minutes will be there, whether he's starting or coming off the bench. So yeah, he's solid, and he's a guy like if I've taken a lot of swings in the middle rounds on younger guys, breakout candidates, etc., then maybe I just want a solid veteran who's going to come in maybe have two position eligibility and get some some points and you know cruise along as a top 120 guy and maybe that's enough uh if i am in a position where i'm swinging for upside i'll probably look elsewhere and while we're on the subject of the clippers um the second guy i was going to go with is terrence man um he's around the 140.9 range and i think you know obviously last year we, we saw that huge game he had in the playoffs 39 points in game six 15 for 21 from the floor seven for 10 from three i mean i don't think we'll see too many of those this year but i mean he should be um, in position to, to, if not start at the, at the three, it definitely should be getting a ton of minutes. And in, in the eight games without Kawhi last year, averaged 12.8 points on 55.7% shooting from the floor, 44.8% shooting from three on 3.6 attempts per game. And then, you know, the, the rebounds, he's only, only at 2.9, one assist, one steal in, in, in about 28 minutes per game. So, you know, I think, you know, the, the 28 minutes part should definitely be there again this year. And, you know, without Kawhi, I think the confidence should be, you know, a, a lot be, be, a lot higher going into this season. Um, and I think he could be a guy that could, you know, sneak and get you some, some value late, late, in, uh, late, in, the, late in the draft um, if, if you if you want to take a flyer on a guy that's going to get a lot of minutes, score some points. Hopefully we'll see those rebounds go up this season, kind of playing this, like, you know, pseudo point forward, like Bruce Brown kind of rolling with, with the Clippers. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm hoping to see those, those rebounds. Uh, go up this year, and uh, but I mean, I, I think I think he'll get you some points, make a few threes. And I think he, I think he, he, um, he, he could be a guy that could get you some value late, late in the draft. I also think, if I remember correctly, Man's assists gradually got better toward the end of last year. He started to uh, put up some some notable assist games here and there. I feel like there were like some six assist games in there. Uh, am I making this up? Anyone? Anyone? I'm not looking at his game log right now. I don't have the stats in front of you, but I just remember, I remember there was a lot of plays kind of where he would be setting screens and then catching the ball on the roll and then kicking out to shooters, you know, for threes. And he, he kind of thrives in that, like I said, this little like pseudo Bruce Brown, like point forward kind of kind of role, catching, being a good guy, you know, uh, catching the ball on rolls and looking opposite and, you know, finding guys um, for threes or, you know, finding guys on the, on the block for dunks. I think, I think, um, that's definitely a, a more underrated part of his game that he got to kind of showcase later in the year. Yeah, he had six or more dimes in four games over the course of a month at the end of the regular season. However, in the postseason, uh, when his role was really sort of crystallized, he averaged under an assist per game. So. Yeah. He kind of turned into a spot-up shooter, just P.J. Tucker just standing in the corner. Right. Definitely a guy to watch. Unfortunately, someone who I don't think anyone's sleeping on because of how he sort of broke out and took on a prominent role in the playoffs and single-handedly won a game or two for the Clippers, if I remember correctly. Didn't he have some huge performance where he... Game maybe, six. Yeah, that's that what you're Oh, yeah, there you go. 39 points, 15 for 21 from the floor, 7 for 10 from three. 
There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I no one's sleeping on him, but his ADP is still 140. I quite like him. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, I don't expect to play this season. The Clippers oh. are playing it coy and saying nobody knows and all this, and that it depends on you know team trainers and what Kawhi himself thinks. And that is a huge factor. It's Kawhi is famously opaque with his return dates. It's really my schedule or nobody's schedule. Uh, you know, you know that when he re-signed with the the Clippers, he basically said, "Hey, you know, there's probably a clause in his contract that says I, I play when I think I I am ready to play." So I think the minutes will be there for Man, and yeah, you know, if Marcus Morris plays some small ball five, there's more minutes at for for Man to play up or down, frankly. Uh, so he can get minutes at a bunch of positions. He can do a lot of things statistically. There's upside there. So the, uh, you know, as a flyer pick, I think he fits the mold nicely. And my last guy um, is going to be Lugens Dort from the, the uh, Thunder. I know last year, obviously, you know, the percentages are, are a big gripe with a lot of people, but there were there was some improvement, you know, from year one to year two. He went from 6.8 points on 39.4% from the floor, 29.7% from three as a rookie to his second year, he averaged 14 points. Still only 38.7% from the floor, but his three-point pointers went up to 34.3%. Um, and the biggest thing for me was, um, he was shooting 29.7% from three as a rookie on 2.8 attempts. Last year, he was shooting 34.3% from three on 6.3 attempts. So he, he more than doubled his, his attempts, and he also jumped up 5%. So I'm, I'm banking on um, another you know leap this year, maybe 36, 37%, 38% from three, um, and probably around six, seven, eight attempts per game. And you know, I think if, if, he, if he's around around that mark, OKC isn't, you know, they're, they're definitely going to be prioritizing kind of the development of their young guys. They, they're, they're ever team full mm-hmm. of you know, guys that they, they want to see, you know, take those next steps. So I think Dora is going to be the guy that they're going to really be focusing on. I think he's going to have a ton of opportunity. Um, and I'm just kind of banging on, you know, him taking another leap from year one to year two and then from year two to year three, kind of being a guy that can hit a few open threes and you know, play defense, you know, be, be kind of this three and D, you know, type of prototypical, you know, wing in, in the NBA nowadays. Yeah, you mentioned that. I, what is it with these OKC guys and their percentage concerns? I feel like everyone, and we haven't even talked about Teo Maladone last year with his brutal percentages. The one area he didn't improve was percentages. You mentioned the three-point percentage yeah. improved, but overall from the field, he went from almost 40% down to 38.7% in his yeah. second season and from 79% at the line down to 74%. Unless those are addressed, I think it's going to be tough for him to hit value in 8-cat, 9-cat, just because the sheer volume of counting stats aren't really there. And for a guy who hangs his hat on defense, his per 36 minutes and his just cumulative stats don't look good defensively, 0.9 steals in 30 minutes per game last year. So it doesn't look like someone who's going to pop in that category for you. That's what I would love to see. Like if he was someone who could get one and a half steals per game, it's kind of a different story, offsets the percentages, uh, something to look for in training camp in the preseason. But I, I, I like those narratives of looking for guys with growth from year two to year three. So definitely on the radar. Ryan, I can't believe you would talk about Lou Dort like that after he won you a t-shirt and that glorious <laughs> well, he Lou Dort, won you by be not making enough buckets. <laughs> which you should be wearing. No. I do. I Hold do. I, I have that graphic shirt. I want to talk about it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to that on another pod. The one thing I'll say is, you know, if we're talking about guys showing flashes like Tyrese Maxey did in his rare opportunities, Lou Dort, I will remind you, got outrageously oh, yeah. hot late in the season. He had a 42-point game. He went 42, 26, and 29 
in three games. I think there was a game of rest in there. They were resting Lou Dort, I'm pretty sure, a guy who's how old, <laughs> like 22 years old or whatever, <laughs> mm-hmm. down the stretch. They're, they're tanking so hard. They're resting Lou Dort because he was on fire. He, he averaged nearly 28 points per game over a five-game stretch. He was absolutely absurd. So it's not the same setup because they had like no one, I think, playing in those games, if I remember. But he is a guy who has shown some ceiling on a game-to-game basis. So I think that's intriguing. I, I've been having a hard time deciding whether to take him or not because I'm a little worried about the percentages. But that ceiling is hard to ignore uh, when Around he showed where, during that stretch. Around where were you, are you drafting him? Like, what, where's your decision point? 135.9. No, just kidding. That's his Yahoo, <laughs> Yahoo ADP. I mean, among all the guys we're talking about, I like him just as much as most of them, you know? Yeah. Your reminder of what he did at the end of last season and then just thinking about the construction of OKC and as Aaron said, the fact that they're going to let the young guys play and we've yeah. seen him do it. Yeah, I'm, hey, af- after this conversation, I'm, I'm a little higher on him than I was. All right. There you go. That's well, the goal. <laughs> we've accomplished. We've officially accomplished something. Uh, so that is our list of 10 late round fantasy draft targets to consider when you are lost in your draft. And that is going to do it. For us today, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen, take a second to rate and review us as well. We're going to be back on Friday as our Division by Division preview series continues with the Northwest, Jazz, Nuggets, Blazers, Timberwolves, and Thunder. Meanwhile, Media Day is slash was today, Monday, so lots of news coming out. Training camp's getting underway this week, so things are ramping up in a hurry. Keep it tuned to NBC Sports Edge for the latest, and check out our draft guide as well, which Ryan referenced earlier. Thanks, everyone, for listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube. Ryan... Aaron in his debut. Thank you, guys. Aaron, good to have you on, man. We'll do it again soon. No problem. Thanks for having me, man. Looking forward to it. Ryan, goodbye. You can say bye if you want. It's really up to you. Bye, man. Thank you. (laughs) The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.